0: Glad to see you all. This is our Ladies Kicking Assets Vodcast. And our mission is to empower women with the educational information that they need to take action. So this is really about information and action. It's about in the doing. We have an incredible guest here today. I'm going to allow my partner, Courtney Moeller, to introduce this amazing man. And I'm Robin Binkley. And I just want to do a quick disclaimer that this is for educational purposes only. We are not giving financial advice. Um, We, we do have a lot of uh, conversations with some amazing people who've done some wonderful things. And at the end of our vodcast, you'll hear how to reach out. So Courtney, if you'd take it over.
1: Well, um, so this is Eric Shelley. I am so excited to have him here. Um, and it it probably would be better to let him introduce himself. Um, he's done so much and I'm really kind of excited to kind of dive in and talk about your story and where you have been and and where you're going. And I'm, I'm really excited to be a a teeny tiny, small part of your venture. So I'm going to just kind of let you take it away and introduce yourself.
2: Okay, well, um, uh, my name is Eric Shelley, as you said, and uh, I'm a recovering dentist of 32 years. Uh, I retired about a year and a half ago. Um, Prior to retiring, I got involved with uh, real estate investing and uh, investing mastermind groups. And uh, over the past probably five years or so, I've been uh, kind of learning the investment world and uh, making network contacts and, uh, you know, meeting lots of great people um, and building my uh, portfolio. So, um, I guess by, um, you know, a lot of things coming together, including, you know, network of people, um, you know, investment projects and that sort of thing, I have uh, come into contact with uh the world of green energy investing with uh, carbon capture equipment. And uh, that has been my primary focus now since uh, late 2019. So I'm sure you'll ask me some questions about that as we go on. And we'll, we'll dive into that uh, a little bit later. Um, but uh, yes, it's, it's, it's been my pleasure to get to know uh, Robin and Courtney through the various masterminds. And um, I've been able to partner with Courtney on a couple of deals already and uh, look forward to uh, many more.
1: Yeah. So I am so fascinated with, um, with your story and it's been so great getting to know you and working on deals together. And, you know, this was not even anything that was even on my radar here, you know, a little over a year ago. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's fascinating that you were this successful dentist Mm -hmm. and you've retired and moved into something completely different. So I guess I'm really curious to know what made you go through that transition. You know, we, I think we have these preconceived ideas about the success of doctors and dentists and lawyers. Um, and so to see you walk away from that and move into syndication full time, I, I, I'm totally fascinated by that.
2: Yeah, well, um, you, know, you know, getting into dentistry wasn't a real uh, struggle for me, because if you'd asked me when I was five years old, I'd have told you I was going to be a dentist. Mm-hmm. And everything I did from that point on kind of pointed toward that, no matter, you know, what I was doing in school, um, you know, I majored in physics, but I was also pre-healing arts. So that led me to dental school. And, uh, you know, as, as I proceeded along, I got into whatever the current, uh, you know, hot topic was in, in that area, like, uh, uh, you know, for instance, in dentistry. Um, early in my career, I, I discovered the, um, the field of sedation dentistry, which back in 2020 was just in its infancy. And um, we, we ended up building a great practice around sedation dentistry for high fear and uh, special needs patients. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we built a great practice around that. Um, I was able to. Uh, you know, get uh, very uh, educated in, in implant surgery and rehabilitative dentistry and temporomandibular joint, uh, um, you know, treatments. And uh, so I, I, I ended up becoming what I would call a, a super general dentist. Uh, the, the super general dentist basically does all the specialty treatment Hopefully at the level of the specialty care. And then, you know, we can integrate the whole case in, in one office, which you know, for a lot of patients, particularly in the sedation practice, that makes a lot of sense. Sure. So one of the things you know you realize is that if you have a dental practice like this, you, you tend to be entrepreneurial. Yeah. Um, I I in the process of building that practice, I started a second satellite office. Which I eventually sold off and consolidated practices. Um, I ended up bringing in associates and partners, and eventually sold out the, the practice to my partner of 14 years. So one of the things that got me into investing was that you know I realized that you know, nobody is going to be doing um, my retirement uh, you know plan except for me. Yeah. So I knew I had to build some kind of passive income portfolio, be it, uh, through, you know, the traditional, uh, brokers, you know, like Edward Jones and, you know, what, what, whatever the, uh, Raymond James, all those different brokerage houses. And, uh, or if I was going to do it on my own through real estate and, you know, um, self-directed IRAs, that sort of thing. And I, I kind of looked at the performance of my brokerages and, uh, I wasn't really too happy with them. I mean, I, my, my, uh, my nest egg increased every year, but not much more than I was putting in. So I decided that I'm going to learn how to do the, the real estate investing business. And as I went uh, into uh, exploring that, I got into the world of alternate investments. So now I'm invested in a lot of different things other than real estate.
0: That's wonderful. I, I really love hearing about how you've honestly rewired. You didn't just sell a practice and retire. You completely rewired and have been on a learning journey um, for some years. You know, if somebody might would look at you from the outside, they might say, oh, Dr. Shelley, who's been um, highly successful i mean you know that doesn't even acknowledge i know i'll check my phone too <laughs> i'm so sorry about that i, thought, I do not off. okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> my child <laughs> but yeah well you, you need to take it uh but but literally you've rewired and so from a couple of different like you know youths, i think that's incredible um, as, as, a, as an adult, I'm in my fifties, you know, to, to rewire takes some dedication and some focus and um, it takes an ability to, to have a relationship. And most importantly, I'd say it takes a, t- a tiny bit of humility, Eric, of which you radiate humility in such a way, because Again, you've been so incredibly successful with your um, funds that you've had. And subsequently, those individuals that you've brought into that arena have been successful as well. And, and so I, I just say, think that it speaks so much about your character um, and your approachability, you know. And so um, one of the things I might ask you with this new group if you will in this new world that you're kind of living in is who are some of your mentors and as you've kind of fielded out a lot of the um educational circuit where do you feel like some of your best value of information has come from i know that's probably two questions but oh, related
2: I've got a good idea where to go with that. So, um, yeah, when I got into um, the investing, I was seeking out uh, a a group, a mastermind group that uh, focused primarily on the dental profession. Um, There's something to be said for an affinity to the people that are a lot like you. And and what I found in the, the dental mastermind groups that I belong to, Um, everybody's gone through the same growing pains, the same practice transitions. And so we have a lot to learn from each other from that. But then we're also kind of learning this new thing together. And there's a camaraderie in that too. So I started initially with, um, you know, with the dental mastermind groups, uh, one called Freedom Founders, another called uh, High Speed Alliance. Um, And then uh, from there, I kind of gravitated gravitated into uh, some other mastermind groups that uh, were probably some of the highest influences that I had in what I do today. Um, I moved on to a a group called the Real Estate Guys uh, Syndication Mentoring Club and uh, also uh, joined their inner circle. And I've been involved with that group for almost four years now. And they've basically been, you know, my guideline in, in building this syndication business, um, you know, I knew that I had, uh, you know, a good a good business, but I knew that I didn't know enough about the syndication business to, you know, build that company and scale it the way I thought it ought to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's
1: you so know, I, I've learned, I've
2: learned from that group. Yeah, I just I just want to say the uh, you know the founders uh, Robert Helms and Russell Gray mm-hmm. have been a key uh, to, to my ability to to scale this company up.
1: Well, okay, so you're talking about scaling the company. So I know what you do, but um, can you talk a little bit about this company that you're building and what that, what that entails and involves? Because this is probably one of my favorite things. I love talking to people about this. And so I'm really excited to hear it come straight from you and to be able to hear that.
2: All right. So um, as I said, we, we got involved with a, a carbon capture investment project that involves um, portable carbon dioxide scrubbing equipment. Um, I ran across a company when I was looking for different tax-advantaged investments, uh, and the company is called CETA, Clean Energy Technology Associates. And it turned out they had uh, two different technologies that were available to invest in. Uh, One was uh, a coal distillation project, and the other, the co 2 scrubbing project. So what I I was looking for an investment and uh, found out that they had a need for someone to raise some capital for this CO2 project. And so they needed me to raise $2 million by the end of the year. And it was November 4th when I found out about it. So luckily, I was kind of working with Uh, investors that were investing with me on individual real estate uh, deals and, and another type of um, fund that I was working with. So I had a group of investors that were already kind of primed uh, to be able to do this. So it was just a matter of me kind of verbally explaining it to them as I was putting my documents together. And then once the documents were done, we got everybody signed up and we, we funded that by Christmas. And then, uh, after that, um, in February, I got a call and, uh, it was, uh, the owner of, uh, CETA Roy Hill, and he wanted to know if I would be willing to raise another 6 million to do six more pieces of equipment. And so I promptly, you know, said yes, but, you know, kind of slowly, uh, you know, took back, uh, I don't know, I, I, I just, I, I, at that point, I was like, how in the world am I going to do 6 million? I just, you know, squeezed out 2 million. How am I going to do six? So that was kind of my impetus to join uh, the real estate guys group. And so um, we did that in the face of uh, the COVID shutdowns and everything. And, uh, you know, it took a longer, much longer time with the, the COVID shutdown, but we finally got that done and then we uh, we got some uh, additional equipment pieces that were a little bit larger in scale. And those we were able to sell by the end of the year. By the end of the year, we had 16 machines um, raised. Um, and then uh, in subsequent years, um, we did, I think, 2020. Um, you know, 2020, we did 16 machines. 2021, we did... Uh, 52 machines and then this year we've just completed 100 Mm
1: -hmm. and it's only august i mean
2: (laughs) we've we've completed 72 but we will have 100 completed by august or um um, october
1: oh october wow that's amazing how fast you've been able to scale that that's incredible so i just I think about that and, um, you know, when I met you, so it was kind of at a little bit of that beginning and it's funny because my very first syndication was with you and I didn't realize that was going to happen when it did, it was like, Hey, you can do this raise. And it was like, crap, I don't even have investors yet. It's funny how, um, you know, I went from, that happening kind of forced me to go down a path and make things happen a lot faster, which has actually forced me to create a lot of other things and make a lot of other things happen. So that was a really good kind of trigger point for me and to get me launching into syndicating and and doing things as well. So I'm actually, even though it was kind of tough, it was, it was a great, great thing to happen. So, and this is probably one of my very, well, it is one of my very favorite investments. I love sharing it with people. The tax advantages are awesome. The cash flow is awesome. You know, it's a way of to me I tell people it's a way of getting involved in with the oil and gas benefits without the oil and gas risk. I mean, really. So,
0: really.
1: Um, which is fantastic because you can invest in oil and gas but you may or may not hit oil and Um, I, I know a lot of people that have done a lot of oil investments that didn't hit and that money's just gone. So this is a way of taking advantage of those tax benefits. A lot of people don't understand the tax benefits of investing in oil. So let's talk a little bit about that and what that looks like, because I, you know, even though we've been involved in oil and gas for a long time, even I, until I became an adult and started doing taxes, didn't really quite understand what kind of advantages I was getting from that. So let's let's go into a little bit of that.
2: Sure. Um, so basically the IRS tax code has incentives for people to do things that they would like to do that they don't wanna fund through the government. And one of those happens to be oil exploration. So the government has decided that if you are willing to invest in oil production, they will give you W-2 benefits. In other words, you can write your money off against W-2 or ordinary income, which is the highest and best uh, form of income in terms of tax rates. And so uh, if you um, invest in any kind of oil production, they will give you at least an 80% uh, uh, deduction against your W-2 income. Now with our funds, we are kind of a non-traditional way to produce oil. Uh, Normally, you have to drill a well and you have drilling costs and you have non-related business uh, expenses like marketing and clerical and that sort of thing. And that's why oil and gas drilling typically is about an 80 to 85% um, deduction. However, the way we produce oil is kind of secondary to our carbon scrubbing process. Uh, Initially, we use a a solvent called Cetusol, which is a proprietary solvent, and we use that to scrub the CO2 out of the natural gas that comes directly out of the well in our equipment. Then we take the byproduct, which is the saturated solvent, and the oil companies will take that to their oil and gas wells and inject it into the wells, kind of like a fracking type of process. It's called enhanced oil recovery. And what it does is it, uh, it breaks up formations, it's, yeah, I think it does thins out the oil a little bit, and it, it basically pushes and displaces more oil out of the wells up to about 30 or 40% more production. So we have all the means of producing extra oil in wells that are already drilled. So we take away the drilling risk, and now all of a sudden we're producing oil just the same way drilling does, but we don't have the risk of drilling. And so that's, that's for that reason, we also don't have any of those costs associated with this process. So we can pass 100% of that deduction on to our investors. So if we take that and decide to supercharge it, what we can do is a 50% leverage on purchasing the equipment. So with every investor sitting in the deal as a general partner, they sign for their portion of that leverage in other words we take a share would be a hundred thousand and we borrow a hundred thousand to get the full price of the equipment and then when you take the bonus depreciation you can write off the full cost of the equipment Mm -hmm. and so as as such you can get a twice two times your bonus depreciation uh, from a hundred thousand dollar investment so if you invest a hundred grand you get two hundred thousand in bonus depreciation in the first year against W-2 and ordinary income. So, as you can see, we're kind of, you know, improving on the concept of oil production by by doing a non-drilling and non-risk kind of a a process.
1: Uh, Which is amazing. So, I can tell you that my investor base has just quadrupled because when people figure out that, you know, they can get, you know, 2x their investment against W-2 income or capital gains. I mean, people need that, those tax benefits. And, you know, when they get that figured out, I mean, I just, I can't even, I I, I can't even get enough machines to, to, and I know you're experiencing this too. It was probably difficult at first to fill that 6 million. And now you can't even produce the equipment fast enough to yeah. put everybody into it because as people are learning about these tax advantages and these benefits of this investment and it cash flows well too. You know, there's just not even enough room for everybody that wants into it, which is an amazing and awful problem to have all at the same time.
0: <laughs> well, I can, I can speak from the perspective of an investor in for, you know, projects that when we divested our engineering firm, that this was a great answer for my husband and I to to offset some taxes. And so this was just a great way um, for individuals who are in a lot of different seasons of their life with need um, that just really is an answer. Well,
1: and I'm glad you said that because, you know, if you, you sell, we have so many people that either have a lot of high income because they're doctors or whatever, or they have sold a business or have -hmm. all this money. And instead of paying that to the IRS, you can come over here, invest in this carbon capture, get two times your investment in tax deductions, which is amazing. So you're not paying as much to the the tax man and you can take that money and invest it into something else and really, multiply. that's really where, you know, massive wealth starts happening, you know, when you're strategic about what you're doing with your money and, you know, using the tax code, everybody's scared of the tax code, but it was actually written for people to take advantage of. And wow. so, um, wow. I, I love that you said that you've done that. So, um, So now that we've kind of talked about the taxes a little bit, there's there's even more benefits to this. And so, um, you know, it really is a green energy, you know, a clean energy that, you know, a lot of people are really wanting to move into. You know, fracking, you know, is kind of considered a dirty word in some places. You know, um, the fact that we can create, you know, create the solvent and use it to frack um, is so much better than using water. So can you talk a little bit about why it's so much more beneficial to use this over using water?
2: Sure, sure. So I'll just, I'll take a step back and I'll talk about like all the, the green energy boxes that this process will check.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, when we're doing the uh, carbon dioxide scrubbing, um, we're actually um, you know cleaning the gas as it, it's coming right out of the well. We hook it directly up to a, a portable piece of equipment and we process it right there. So the first thing is, the oil and gas companies are, you know, cleaning their their um, CO two out properly. but they're doing it right at the site, so they're not shipping it anywhere. Um, they're not paying the costs. And so that that's that's probably their big. They do it for that reason alone. But like you said, when we when we take that and inject it into the wells, we're basically replacing using fresh water. And having all the issues associated with treating that fresh water after you use it mm-hmm. and the costs associated with that so the oil companies are ecstatic about that um i believe that they can use the solvent more than once too i don't think it's just ah, a one-shot use i think they can kind of as it comes back up they can pump it back down until you know they they basically get uh, like a break-even effect um third thing is that you know, one of the ways of getting rid of carbon dioxide instead of putting it out in the atmosphere is called uh, carbon sequestration. And one of the main ways of sequestering carbon is to inject it into a a, a well formation. So, you know, we're doing that while we're taking extra oil out. That's great. Um, The good news is we didn't have to drill any new sites and create any kind of environmental impact for drilling a new well. So we actually, um, You know, we actually got more out of something that was already drilled and therefore have a a smaller environmental footprint on that. And finally, um, you know, from the standpoint of the company and their carbon output, um, you know, the sequestration basically offsets their outputs and, and gives them a carbon neutral profile. And so all of those things put together makes this one of the best ways of producing oil. And in many ways, maybe possibly the least expensive. So if you're looking at a time when there's there's uh, you know high oil prices, producing the oil this way from the oil companies is way better than trying to drill and, and take a chance on on hitting a well. And And uh, so this this is this is a, a real big thing for the oil industry, and I don't think we've even scratched the surface of the market yet.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: you know, we have 170 machines out in the Western Permian Basin of Texas, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they, they initially requested about 500, and that just covers like 1800 wells out there in Western Permian Basin. Yeah. So uh, what we've found out in the last couple of months is that they want to use at least 40 of these machines currently in a, um, a hydrogen plant that they're building outside of Houston. And so oh. this is a new use that we, don't, we didn't know about last year that, uh, you know, this is actually possibly as good, if not better than the, uh, the use on the oil wells themselves.
1: Oh, well, what okay. So what does that look like? Yeah. Well,
2: uh, you know, it's still too new for me to tell what they're going to do, but mm-hmm. I know that, um, you know, there's going to be gas input. So gas is the, the, the initial thing that they, they make the hydrogen out of. And when you take the hydrogen out of a C and H and an O, you're you end up with a C and an O, which is carbon dioxide. Yeah. So there's going to be carbon dioxide coming out of the exhaust in this factory. And so they can hook that, that exhaust stream up to the CO2 and then create their byproduct, which they can inject into wells, other mm. places.
1: Huh. So, um,
2: so they can treat the gas coming in if it hasn't already been treated and they can treat the, um, The CO two coming out of the exhaust. So this, these, this equipment works on any kind of gas stream. So if you can pipe it down to an inch and a half and push it through the equipment, it'll take the CO two out of it, no matter what kind of gas it is. That's amazing,
1: and I'm sure that there are probably so many other things and uses that this is this equipment's going to be used for that's not even um, that's not hadn't even been thought of yet. So it's incredible technology
2: well we we actually included 15 different industries that would use this co2 scrubbing equipment and another 15 industries that could use the co2
1: including well okay. what like all is the co2 soda used for? industry you
2: know? i'm sorry
1: oh i yeah what is what all is co2 used for do you know i have no idea uh,
2: well there's cement there's there's flexible cements that uh, use co2 um cosmetic industry the pharmaceutical industry needs it uh you know soda industry dry ice
0: Mm -hmm.
2: all all kinds of industries use co2 and actually um they've been talking i've I've heard news stories recently about co2 shortages too
1: oh interesting oh
0: oh my god who would have thought you know how one impacts the other impacts the other but, I mean that's really incredible. Well, you just really have your finger in so many things and future uses. Um, just you sound incredibly busy with you know all of the different groups and companies that you're you're talking to. But Eric, what do you do aside from all of this? How do you Have some you and relax time, or what are some other activities that you're involved in? Or do you eat, think, and sleep this twenty (laughs) four seven?
2: Not even even close. Do you sleep? Not even close. I mean, obviously, I'm retired from dentistry, so I don't have a day job. Yeah. Um, I can only work on this a couple hours a day because I usually run out of stuff to do. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like like for example, this morning I I rewrote some uh, PPM documents for three different funds. So I had to I had to modify a couple of you know words here and there to to reflect what the new equipment packages are going to be. But uh, then that generates you know three more funds to raise money for. So
1: uh-huh. you know
2: work two or three hours and and then I've got everything done that I need to raise the next batch of funds.
0: Uh-huh. So.
2: You know, to be honest with you, you know, most of it's relational building networks and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the time sitting at a desk, you know, hacking on your computer isn't as much as you would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously I've built my business uh, around scaling it. So I use a fractional CFO uh, and he has a team of accountants that we can hire more as we need or, you know, scale back the hours. Um, I'm also working with um, a company called uh, Organized to Scale, and they do my back office. Um, basically my integrator that, that kind of organizes my projects, makes sure everybody's held accountable. And so basically by interacting with my integrator and that team, um, we get all the you know SEO and the emails and the blogging and the social media. And, uh, you know, all the the management of onboarding investors Mm -hmm. through them. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of, I've kind of decided to create this business in such a way that I can operate out of a backpack, no matter where I am in the world. And I've been trying to prove that out the last two months, because I've been in, uh, I've been in Belize, I've been in Argentina hunting doves. I've been,
0: uh,
2: I've been in South Dakota, um, Rapid City area, riding uh, side by sides. Um, you know, I, I, I basically the last two months I've been home about two weeks out of the six, six, or so, I, I was away six and, and home too.
0: Well, you certainly had some you time that's for sure. And doing some yeah. things that you love. I know dove hunting in Argentina is, is, as we've discussed loads of fun. Uh, yeah. and my husband swapped a few stories with you on that. And so was that successful? I mean, Oh
2: yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's always a high volume experience and
0: <laughs> for each, sure.
2: Each, each lodge has their own little, uh, you know, thing that they do to make it, you know, a little bit more awesome than the other. So, I mean, you know, lunches in the field with five courses of meat and
0: oh, um,
2: hammocks for a siesta after lunch and then back out to to hunting. So, I mean, it, it, it's been a great experience to, to do those kind of trips.
1: And and you know what, I think it's, um, this is what's so great about getting involved in syndication and taking control of your future and taking control of your finances and these investments, because it allows you to go and do these kinds of things. I'm focused on doing that too, where I can literally pack up and go and work from wherever I want. And if it wasn't for the fact that my kids have to be in school and their sports, I would totally homeschool them and take them. And we would just go travel to new places and go to a new place every month because I can do everything I do as long as I can get on the internet I can do what I do from anywhere which is awesome (laughs) yeah I
2: I think it's really important like you you had said that you know rewiring was something that you know you had been thinking about with this situation and you know the, the way to rewire is to you know kind of sit there as you're you're planning your your new lifestyle and just see how you can kind of create the business out of the lifestyle that you want like for me, I love the investment world. I love learning about investments. I love touring, uh, uh, that kind of thing. I, I, whenever I travel, I look for the opportunities there. Um, so I basically can take every trip and turn it into an investment uh, research trip.
0: Mm-hmm. which
2: allows you to write that off against your lifestyle. Um, so I, I, I would say that if you're thinking about rewiring, do a lot of time. Writing down the things that you like to do and how you can tie them to a lifestyle type business, and that's that's kind of what I've done.
0: Well, that's so It's it's true, and you know, you mentioned with your team, um, and as we we all know very well, it's so important to have the right um, accounting uh, team and a CPA to um, help you um, change your facts to impact your tax. Um, and help you rethink um, where you're going and what you're doing um, and, and how that works cohesively together, you know, um, the, team is, the team is really important. So um, with some of um, the direction that you're going and some of these new opportunities, are you having time in your life to get involved in your new community? I know that you've recently relocated, um, even right. though you've not been home much. What does um, that look like for
2: you? Well, not in the last two months, but, um, you know, my wife is involved in uh, horse, horseback riding. She's a, mm-hmm. a Western rainer. And so I've been uh, to quite a few events here at the World Equestrian Center, um, kind of getting involved in, in her community of riders and that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, meeting people in that respect, I, uh, I just joined a, a country club, uh, which is about 10 minutes from our house, um, you know, cause we'll, we'll, we'll do a lot of dining there, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. uh, I haven't played golf in about five years. I kind of got so busy that, you know, taking four hours out of the day was too, too hard to do um so i'm I'm looking forward I, I took a golf lesson this week and i'm I've been out a couple of days this week to practice and you know try to get my swing back to where uh you know I didn't relearn my bad old swing so
0: oh, right uh, but,
2: but, but yeah, so I, you know and then uh, also have a very good friend that's moving to a, a, a property about uh, 40 minutes from me it's mm-hmm. also involved uh like Courtney is in my my projects and, uh, you know, we're probably going to form an investor club down in the Socala area. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, you know, that's, it all kind of fits into the lifestyle business that I have. It's networking while doing something that you enjoy. And, uh, I, both of those things are going to tie me into the community. I'm sure in a way that, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't otherwise have. So.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's amazing. Well, and that's that's the smart way of, you know, getting around people are going to help you grow that too. And so um, it just, it all ties together. So you're, you're doing something that you love, that you enjoy, you've got the time to do it. And then you're also meeting people and growing that network. That's one of my favorite things is getting involved and meeting new people. And, you know, I'm always fascinated and I love hearing people's stories and it's just, it's so exciting. And I just bought Joe golf clubs for his birthday. His birthday was a couple of weeks ago, and he's been <laughs> golfing. I had to go and get help, but he's got a brand new set of clubs, and we're thinking about joining a. We've got so many country clubs by us, we got to figure that out. But I don't know how to golf. But I told him I was like, I will be your golf cart driver and drive I the cart. I'll pour <laughs> you cocktails and drive you around.
0: Yeah, there you go. There you go. Cocktails and cigars. Good to oh know you
1: have God. that skill set. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so that's great. That is. Oh,
0: awesome. Oh, my gosh. So, Eric, one last question for you. Um, looking back at your life, you've just you had a tremendous career, um, you know, business owner, and now you're in a whole nother career. What advice would you give your younger self if you could do maybe some things a little different? What what might you say to younger Dr. Eric Shelley?
2: Well, I think, I think in my early years, I was focused so much on building the dental skill set and the dental practice that I wasn't thinking, you know, big enough. Um, I think, you know, had I known what I know now, I would not have had one practice. I would have had 12 in a big group that I would have sold out to a, you know, a chain, or I don't know exactly what it would have looked like, but you know, what I did with real estate can also be done with dental practices Mm -hmm. and, you know, what I learned about, you know, you know, the finance and how to, how to, you know, syndicate and work with other people and give them a good investment opportunity to accomplish the things that you want to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think my dental career would have had a different trajectory and maybe less clinical and more entrepreneurial. Um, you know, certainly I would have started, uh, you know, it's not like I didn't have apartments when I was, you know, young in practice, because our building had two apartment, uh, it. but I would have probably continued to accumulate more and, you know, focus some percentage of my time on that instead of just the practice.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: you know, I, I don't regret the clinical knowledge that I built and I don't, I, I would probably, I would probably be upset if I, didn't bring it to that level, but, um, um, I think I would have spent more time on the investment side so that, um, I would have gotten to a point of financial freedom a lot earlier in practice. And I could have done a lot more dentistry that, uh, you know, with yeah. you know, pro bono work and that sort of thing, which I could do later in my career, but not so much in early career. So um, that's that's what I would probably change most.
0: So your golden nugget was to think bigger, and we've we all need to give ourselves permission to do that. And I think that sometimes our our stumbling block within ourselves is that we don't we don't think big enough. And when we think we're thinking big. We, we can go bigger and, and I am seeing more of that in my own life. And, and with so many of the individuals that I'm, um, associated with, it is so powerful. I mean, those words will are timeless and they speak to any, any age group. So I appreciate you saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. So how can our viewers get in touch with Dr. Eric Shelley, CEO and fund manager of freedom impact?
2: Sure. So uh, we have a website, uh, www.freedomimpactconsulting, all one word, dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, And if you're interested in a free report, uh, you can do, uh, you can email carbon at freedomimpactconsulting.com.
1: Okay. I'm going to write that down so I can add it. Let's carbon. see. Carbon. carbon
2: at freedomimpactconsulting.com. Okay and then that'll give you an opportunity to get on our investor list and you know get some information on the website
0: yes love that well thank you so much eric for your time today and um it's been really a pleasure just to hear your story and to hear how you um grew into this space and future spaces um and just really appreciate your time
2: It's been great uh, being here and I'm excited about what you guys are doing. I'm looking forward to the future for you.
1: (laughs) We are too.
0: We are too. Thank you. Thank you so much.